Welcome to the latest episode of the Short Podcast. I'm your host, George Brown. Stay out. AKA Big Buckets Brown. <laughs> uh, every time. I know that uh, nicknames don't count if you give them to yourself, but I think that one's pretty hilarious. Uh, like I started every episode, how are you? You good? Me too. I um want to thank everybody for checking out last week's episode with my guest, Chelsea Carter. And just to show you how dope she really is, I want to let y'all know she has a showcase going on. She's going to be doing a showcase on um, her latest collection, Hughes Part 1. It'll be May 26th at 2951 West Grand Avenue, Chicago, Illinois. And it's from 2 to 6. So if you like what you heard on the last episode, go and check it out. And I really enjoyed that episode. Like I felt like I wasn't really talking a lot. I was more so, in a way, fascinated with hearing from someone who is really doing big things. And that was the thing that, that was kind of weird starting off. It's just like, oh, well, I don't know if I'm going to be doing this. What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you know what, Chelsea, you, you kind of dope, man. Like, you really have some good shit going. I go check out a website. I'm like, man, like, some of the shit I would probably wear if you made it in my size. You know, uh, I don't think her clothes are fat guy friendly, but I could probably hit her up for a one-of-one. But, yeah, man, I just, I really thought that, um, She's doing some big things, and she's come a long way. Like, her, like my journey is just starting out with comedy in a way. Still pretty young in it, about two years or so, but she's been doing a damn thing in fashion design for a long time and been successful at it. And that's, that's always cool to see when someone really just decides they're going to do something, and then they just go out there and do it. Not only do they go out there and do it, they get a following, they have people who actually think what they're doing is dope as hell, so you feel appreciated. Like, it's a lot that goes into that. And, and lo and behold, like, the next week after we present the episode, she's showcasing her latest collection. So, I'm just happy to be a part of it and tells um, good luck with everything in the future. Hopefully, we'll cross paths, but I'm definitely going to try and come check you out on Saturday and see the new work that you have out. Um, I think she's doing something totally different where... Uh, as she mentioned in the episode, it's like nobody's seen a lot of the work, but I did see some pieces that she released on Instagram. She showed a few pieces on there. It's just like everything is all black, and I thought that was kind of dope. It means a lot to see that, and it's fashionable shit. It's really dope. So um, if you guys like that episode, go ahead and um, show up to the uh, showcase this Saturday and check it out. Oh, man. So what a week. Um, the crazy thing is... Last week was well needed. I enjoyed myself. If y'all saw me on Snap and everything like that, um, and even on IG, I was out uh, at my alma mater, Miami of Ohio. It was the first time I've been back since last spring. I went down there for a buddy's wedding, and then I um, uh, checked out the new facilities they had down there for the football team. It's pretty cool. And we did the same thing this year, uh, well, this time around. But uh, my boy Brooks, man, congrats, dog. Got the commencement speech, and you're doing big things, bro. Only to be 27, 28 years old, and you're uh, out here doing commencement speeches. I mean, he did win the Super Bowl, so he kind of walked into that. You know, he had a good, he's having a good year. So uh, 
Congrats to you, bro, and thank you for inviting me down. It was dope as hell, man. Got to see the new facilities again. And just in awe of everything that's changed since uh, I left school and I graduated in 2012. So um, it was really cool to get down there and see old friends and really just hang out and kick it. But, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome, man. And that was the first time. So when I graduated, I graduated in the winter. So... After the first semester, we had the winter commencement. That was actually my first time at the summer commencement. I hadn't been down there for one of those before. It was one of those things where I felt like um, I was seeing something for the first time and being a part of it, and I was excited, man. That was dope. Um, it was His speech was something that I think everybody should go and check out on uh, YouTube. If it's up there, it's Brandon Brooks, Miami of Ohio, um, commencement speech 2018 commencement speech he um touched on a lot of different things i felt like he did it gracefully and i was a a bit surprised because i know him personally and i know what his job is so you kind of like yeah i don't even want to talk about after the new shit that came out with the nfl today or well i'm recording this on what is this uh what is what is today Thursday on the 24th, I think it was either this morning or yesterday when the NFL put that new rule in where they're just going to start penalizing or giving a 15-yard penalty for all the people who kneel during the national anthem. Really? Really? My whole thing with that is, like, it's a protest, G. Like, ain't nobody, ain't nobody doing nothing wrong, ain't nobody disrespecting the flag. In fact, in fact... If you don't know this, when people get hurt on the football field, uh, most people, most teams, or actually both teams, take a knee as a sign of respect. They take a knee to show homage to the person that's hurt, to make sure that they're okay. Everybody takes a knee and usually say a prayer. So, what I would say to that is, if you take a knee during the national anthem and you're protesting something that has nothing to do with football in general <laughs> like it has that has nothing to do with football in general it is basically you taking a stance for yourself as a man as a black man or if you're white non-black whatever and you are an nfl player and you take a knee and you show respect you know you show respect you, you you're showing camaraderie you're showing unity with your teammates and fellow uh union members nflpa union members it, like I, I don't get that. Like I can see it as like you, you. I see it honestly. I understand what they're doing as far as what Cap started the whole protest for. But I also see it like I said, it's a sign of, of respect, not even disrespect. It's a sign of respect. This person, this person is showing that um, they're standing up for people who can't be heard. You know, they're standing up for themselves in some cases. You know, wrong place, wrong time, and and, and it could go loud like that. It can go down like that, but hey, man, yeah, let people do what they want to do, I guess. But um, going into this week's episode, as I get off my soapbox, I, I don't know. I'm just like I just don't understand that. But like I said, the NFL gonna do what it does. But at the same time, you showing where you stand right now. Love the game of football. Love watching the game of football. Been a part of my life for my entire life, damn near. But 
just feel like it's kind of wrong, guys. But, hey, everybody thinks they're doing the right thing, right? So, moving into this next episode. This week, I have a fellow Miami Red Hawk, Samantha Callender. Now, the thing with Samantha is um, she graduated in 2014, so it was a little bit after me. Um, I actually might have been on my way out the door when she was um, kind of starting everything off at Miami. And she's got a great story. Um, African-American woman, Miami, Ohio alum, and she actually wrote for the uh, Miami student newspaper. And she's pretty impressive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> when I first found out about her, I think it was on Twitter, by way of Twitter, and I read a few of her articles, I read a few of the things that she's written, and I was just like, man, like that's just cool to see somebody doing something creative um, and being really good at it. So, like, her resume ranges from Essence, Ebony, to Jet. I even think she got, like, some Cosmo stuff. Like, she's doing big things. She's interviewed, like, Legends, Jasmine Guy, Kevin Hart, Maya, Sanaa Lathan, Morris Chestnut, all these different people. And, like, she is just doing the damn thing. And not only that, like, she does shit outside of that where she sits down. She'll sit down with you and give you a consultation on, like, different things. Um, I actually reached out to her sometime in about 2016 about... Uh, marketing and um, podcasting, marketing for your podcast and getting more people to, uh, you know, check out your show, your episodes and things like that. And it's just like, dog, she's been published in Vibes. So like, I know I keep going back to the source. Like, <laughs> just I was just impressed, man. And I really wanted to um, to get her on the show. Not only that. Uh, because she's um, an African-American woman and she's a journalist, writer, entrepreneur in a time where it's really rough, you know, really rough. And we talk about that. We talk about some of her experiences with different people reaching out to her and saying different things like that. And I just I felt like I wanted to kind of get her perspective on things and realizing that, um, you know, she kind of started off writing like like anybody else as a, as a blogger. Um, she was a part of a, a, a blog. I think it was her agenda. She said her agenda and she kind of learned the ropes of writing very, very, very soon. You know, she ended up writing as a freelancer and she learned that, you know, you have to be able to be self-sufficient. You got to be able to find a way to get these interviews. You got to be able to figure out how you want to get your work to the people that you're writing for, different things like you got to figure out what your voice is. And we also talk about that during this episode, not only finding your voice when you're writing, but finding the voice of the publication you're writing for. And I thought that was really um, impressive um, that she figured it out and she's successful at it. And when we even talk about her, you know, moving around and when she graduated and then uh, moving from Cincy to Chicago, I saw that, and I knew she was writing for someone in NYC, and I was just like, man, are you in New York? You no, know, she was like, nah, I'm in Chicago, and she was doing that, and I felt like, damn, like, I need to be figuring out what's going on in Chicago that she's coming here to write, and not only she's coming here to work and write, she's um, really experiencing the city. We talk a lot about, you know, different things that you can do here in Chicago and different ways that... Um, you can get yourself out there and just really try different shit and just take in the environment. 
Um, if you guys hear a lot of noise in the background, I was actually recording that on the west side. Like, you know, that was um, interesting to me because we were just like in the middle of the foyer or, or the courtyard or whatever you want to call it in, in her, by her apartment building. And I think it's a nice aesthetic. Um, you get to hear the city, <laughs> as um, the old folks say. But uh, no disrespect. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's a little bit of noise in the background. You get, you get the environment. You get to really hear that um, we're here, man. And just really, it's a good conversation. And, and we talk a lot about, you know, the struggles of um, trying to find your place. You know, find your place on a predominantly white campus, one. Um, find your place on a predominantly white campus and being an African-American woman as she is and in a meeting room or a newsroom where you're the only African-American and you're also the only African-American woman and you're in a room full of white folks and you got a white men and you got to stand up for yourself. She talks about finding her, um, you know, courage, you know, finding her stance on a lot of different things. And not only that, but in a way, not having a choice. Like I have to say something, you know, I have to stand up for what I believe in. I have to check people sometimes when they stepping out of line or they're doing something wrong, you know? And I, I was just happy that we got to link up because I had been trying to reach her like, Hey man, I want to get you on the podcast. I mean, you know, she's just doing the thing and she's busy. You know how it is. It, it, yeah. You know how it is. So I was just like, man, you know, um, I was geeked to sit down and talk to her and just learn, you know, learn, hear her, hear her uh, perspective on things. And, and I really enjoyed it, man. And if you want to reach out to her or follow her, you can follow her on IG and on Twitter at on your calendar, O N Y O U R C A L L E N D E R, um, and just f- check her out, man. I mean, and, and she also has a website, and the website is uh, calendar dot com, and, and you can see her work and everything there, and everything she's done, but. I'm really excited to get this episode off the ground, so let me know what you think. She's professional. She's like just when you you. I don't even remember what my voice was. Nah, it's super professional, and I was just like, man, I need to step my game up because she knows what she's doing. (laughs) Wasn't even trying, but thank you. That's real. Then when you say it that way, that's the thing I'm noticing. I'm sitting with Samantha Calendar, journalist, writer, freelance writer, blogger. Uh, well, I think we even spoke once when I was working on another show, and you gave me like a one-on-one like consultation about oh, like for podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, she can pretty much do anything media related, right? Yeah. I so, that. is that something that you set out to do, or is it something like you you know just walked into it? Um, yeah, I always wanted to do journalism, but before when I was studying, it was kind of we were in that in between <clears throat> phase between news like news you see in a newspaper mm-hmm. or news you see um on tv like with an anchor and stuff right. and then this digital <laughs> age that we're in um so 
at first I thought I was going to do news, like hard news, be a news reporter, blah, blah, blah. And so when I was in college, I wrote for the student newspaper, and I had a beat and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I wrote about student government. Okay. Um, and so I was assigned to go every week and write about student government. But it bored the hell out of me. I was so bored. No, I was like, this is boring. I don't no like Trumps in Miami. <laughs> but it, even not that, not just the drama, it was boring. Like that routine of going every Tuesday over, to write on Wednesday, write on, you know, it was just boring to me. I didn't feel like I was doing anything um, impactful. And the news was always changing. You know, mm -hmm. one second we talk about one thing, but then it would change. And it just really bored me. And I was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like news reporting. I'm like, so what am I going to do? Um, and so then I joined the magazine that we had on campus, which I like that because I think what I like is like the human interest element mm. or the, something that people can take away and keep. It's not, you know, every, news changes every day. Right. Um, I don't really like that because you always have to keep up with it. You always have to retract. And that's just not, that's not how I like to operate. Mm. Um, and so I discovered I like the magazine style writing, but that kind of bored me too. Um, because once you, they planned everything out so far in advance. Right. Um, just to make sure there's layout, just to make sure there's picture and all that. So that bored me as well. I know I like to write, I know I like to tell stories, but this way it's just not, I don't like it. I knew I didn't want to do radio. I'm not very comfortable talking all the time. Like I'm good at having conversation, uh -oh. okay. but like maybe to like form my own radio show. No, I think maybe in the age of podcasts. I think you got the voice for cool. listening to you right now. Um, but just like radio, no. So I was kind of in between. I didn't really know what I liked. And I mean, I was doing it because I was in school. Mm. You know, I had to have those newspaper and magazine credits. I had to still write, but I just wasn't liking it. Um, and then an alum of Miami University, she was working with a startup in New York City called Her Agenda. And she told me, you know, so she's looking for writers on the side. Um, if you're interested, it's a blog. And mm. blogs were kind of really new at the time, especially people like making money and trying to make big platforms off of blogs. Right. Um, she's like, you know, if you want to try it, she's looking, basically she's taking anybody, like you don't have to have a degree yet, which I didn't. Um, so I contacted her um, and just started writing pieces for her and that was like my first taste of the blog blog life. Right. And I really liked it because it was like, I, wrote, I would write a piece one day and it would be up the next. Right. And then it was also in that, that space and time where people would promote their articles on social media so I thought it was really cool to see my articles online like right. I would see them on Facebook or I'd see them on Twitter and I'd see other people sharing them you know because they would read the blog it, I was reaching an audience outside of who I knew mm -hmm. or outside of my local community right. like I had people in New York sharing my article and stuff you know because it's online so I that I really liked that that really excited me I like that it was super quick um, I like that people I didn't even know were reading my stuff and so that's when I started getting into blogging um, and so I stayed with her agenda for a couple of years until I graduated. Um, but then after graduation, you want money, right? Like, this yeah, you pay. have to live. Um, right. <laughs> so I was like, mm, I can't really keep doing this for free, like full time, because her, her brand was growing and she was getting bigger. But I was like, you know, I have a degree now. I have more experience. I can't really be doing this all for free. Um, and I was getting kind of bored with that content, too. Um, I get bored really quickly. I've come to find. I, I, see. I like new stuff. <laughs> Um, and so I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? And then I was just happened to be on social media, and I saw that Vibe magazine was looking for interns, or like okay. contributors. And I wasn't in New York. I was still in Ohio. But I saw it was like, it could be remote. So <laughs> you could do it from anywhere. Right. So I just applied. I hadn't had any experience in music or entertainment. But I just applied with the clips I had. Um, and I got it. And so it showed me uh, remote 
blogging remotely for a big magazine is very interesting because you have to be self-sufficient. Um, you have to secure a lot of your own pitches and interviews and um, just news to have. So it taught me how to have my own pitches. I think a lot of journalists are used to being assigned a story. Right. Um, but kind of in the digital space, you need to come with the story. Um, so it taught me how to do that. Um, and then I started interviewing people, like interviewing celebrities and just going to different events and reporting on it. Um, and that was really fun. I really liked it. And then I got to a point I wasn't bored with the, with the content. I was just kind of bored with the, the platform. So I started getting bored at Vibe. Um, and I was like, you know, I want to write for other other blogs, other sites, because different sites have different voices. Mm -hmm. You know, some sites have, a, like, a voice they're known for writing right. in, if that, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, um, but thinking about it, being creative with writing and everything, how do you translate that, though? So if you go into a situation where you say, all right, well, like you said, this organization or this publication has a certain voice that they you hear from, and, like, that's what they're known for, how does your voice translate into that? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. You kind of have to pair it up. Like, of course, each writer is going to have their style. Mm -hmm. But the voice is really, like, the tone okay. of how the article reads. Um, just like in politics, you can really tell what side a news source is on based right. on the rhetoric, yeah. based on the way they talk. Um, and you can kind of get that outside of politics, too, like an entertainment site. You can tell if it's gossipy by the way they speak about a person or about mm -hmm. their project, if they're throwing shade, if they're, yeah. you know, using certain words. Um, and then you can tell if they're just trying to be news. They don't really list too much opinion or they don't really talk too much bad about them. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the voice, that's the tone. Um, and sometimes I like to be kind of gossipy and shady, so I'll go to blogs that that's their voice. And kind then I can, yeah, and I can let that out. Um, or where I, if I just want to report on news, I don't want really want to get on that gossip stuff. I know which blogs are great for that, mm -hmm. and I can still write a really good piece. And so I, maybe like as an audience, some people don't really pick up on that, but as a writer, like, you know, like, if I want to speak a certain way or if I have certain things I want to say, I can do it on this platform, not so much on this platform. Right. And I found I was getting to that point because, you know, there were certain things I wanted to gossip and shade about and then some things I really didn't want to. Right. So that's when I started freelancing, like, okay, I have this topic, but that here's how sense. I want to about, write about it, so I'll pitch it to this one. Or I have this one and I want to write about it this certain way. Mm -hmm. I know it'll be good over here. Um, and so that's really how I got into freelancing because I like that. I didn't feel stifled. You know, if one blog was like, oh, you know, this we is. We don't want that. Yeah, yeah, we don't want that kind. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I'll go over here. So I like that. I felt like I wasn't wasting my time because mm. I would do interviews and some publications would be like, oh, no, you know, we don't want to run that or we're not really looking for that type of content. I'm like, but it's great content just because you don't want it doesn't mean someone, someone else, else does it. it. So I started freelancing. Um, and then from there, especially like in the digital world, people kind of see you and then we'll reach out to you. Right. Um, so then from there it got easier because people would reach out to, to me. You. Yeah, with different pitches and topics and all of that stuff. Um, and so it kind of just snowballed from there. Um, and I just freelanced for like five years. And now I kind of settled for five years, like four years. Um, and now I'm at Essence. Um, I like Essence. They were always a goal of mine. Mm -hmm. I just didn't really know in what capacity, to be honest. I just liked Essence because they were a publication with black women. Right. They'd been around for so long. But then I got in there through the beauty vertical. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of what I do right now is like beauty content. On, so I really like it. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things that really impressed me the most about you when I was doing my research or AKA stalking a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, man, you know, you 
your list is ridiculous about different publications. I'm like, five. Uh, Essence. I think I might have seen like some Ebony stuff. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, all the things she missing is like Jet, like on the regular <laughs> because those were magazines that I grew up seeing in the house. You yeah. know, my mom, my grandmother, and you know everybody was reading those magazines. And I'm like, even seeing you on social media, I think you were at Essence Fest once. And I was like, man, like she really doing the thing. So when I was putting this show together, I'm thinking like, who will be some good people to sit down and talk to? And I think like. That's impressive as hell, man. Thank and you. Congrats on all the success and everything like that. But what has it been like um, adjusting to that? Because like you said, you started off trying to figure out different things, like how, who or what I'm going to write for or write. And you, you finally get people hitting you up. Like, hey, man, we want you to do this. We want you to do that. You know, like, what was that like? Was it overwhelming? Was it... Um, it was really cool. It wasn't overwhelming at first because it would just be like here yeah. and there. But you learn how to manage it. It's really fun. Um, it did teach me how to say no because mm. sometimes I would get opportunities that were really cool. They just didn't really. I wasn't passionate about it, or they didn't yeah, really if you don't fit feel my it, style. You probably won't write about it. Yeah, <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, okay, like this is great. Thanks for thinking of me, but I'm gonna have to pass. At first, I got a lot of uh, like copywriting opportunities, mm. um, so people would want me to write about like their product, okay, which is cool. But if it's a product I don't okay. care about, like a protein bar, I don't. I don't really care about you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like the hardest thing too, because doing podcasts is like the goal is, oh, I want to get sponsors and all that stuff. Like, yeah, you can get sponsors that pay you, but are you really going to use the shit that they're giving you? Right. <laughs> or really, are you going to be able to talk about it and be able to like convince other people that, that you they like should it? Use it? Yeah. And I was like, some of this stuff I just honestly don't care about, so I'm going to pass on it. Mm. And so I have instances like that, but it's never been to a point where it's overwhelming. To me, it's really interesting. Uh, that people can watch you grow mm-hmm. online and on social media, like even if it's people you don't know. Like I said, I had people in other states and stuff that read my work and then they kept up with me. Right. And I think now, especially since, because I have like a verified Twitter account now. Yeah, that's um, big time. <laughs> and, you know, I'm on Essence. And so I'll get people who will just like DM me, like, oh, I've kept up with you. It's so cool to see you grow. Right. And then I'm like, I've never, I don't know who you are, but <laughs> you know who I am just from being online. So that's weird to me that people are watching me like that. Even though I do it to other people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people, like, in the blogger space or the writer space that I've watched. They don't know me from getting right. a paint, but, you know, I just admire their work. So it's it's interesting for me to have people who are like that because I don't really think I'm doing anything. that much. Yeah. You know, I'm just doing what I like. I don't think I'm doing anything, like, extra special. But to other people, they like it, and it's inspiring. So that's kind of weird to me. That's the only part that's kind of strange. Yeah. Not strange, but I just think it's funny that people see me how I see others. Right. I um, played at Miami it started out uh, in Chicago and everything. And I would tell my friends, like, man, like, it's cool to, like, get all that recognition and everything like that for playing ball. But, like, yeah. when you go somewhere and then I remember once some random kids just came up to me and the rest Uh-oh. of my team was like, man, can you sign this picture that you guys took? I'm just like, I'm 17 years old, kid. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm not a role model. Or, I mean, yeah. you are. You, You're not even trying to be. You become that. And, and that was kind of the reason why I wanted to bring that aspect up is, like, people are hearing your voice. They're right. taking in your point of view. Do you feel any like pressure or anything like that to remain or uh, become a certain type of writer or journalist? Um, not necessarily a type of writer or journalist, but I am more conscientious of what I say mm-hmm. because on my social media platforms, I welcome a lot of opinions. Really? Like I'll give my opinion, but I always ask like, what do you guys think? Or how do you feel about this topic? It can be anything. And I notice sometimes if I give my opinion first, and if it's something people don't agree with, yeah, they'll attack it. Immediately um, 
so I guess I've become like a figure in that aspect which is kind of weird because I'm like I'm just giving my opinion like just like you're really like going on. off or going in um, so I don't feel necessarily a responsibility I'm just more cautious of how I wear things That's right. um, and I pick my battles more often yeah I pick my online <laughs> battles more often uh, so I make sure that I don't post stuff that is, like one time I posted what did I post I don't even remember what the topic was but I, th I think it might have been like heroin usage because in Ohio that's becoming a problem and I think I was like you know this is getting out of hand and like all this Narcan and stuff whatever and I had like 150 comments of people just like going in yeah and I was like I'm just giving my opinion you know and I think like topics like that are kind of sensitive people have one opinion or the other but um, yeah so I'm more conscious of like what I post but do I feel like a responsibility? Not necessarily. I just kind of pick my bowels like, I don't feel like... Dealing with this. Right, today. <laughs> um, but that's funny because it's the same thing with like comedy doing stand-up. Yeah. It's, you can tweet, you can say all kind of shit on stage and everything like that, but the one thing you can't control is how somebody's going to react to what you said. Right. Or with you, it's even worse in my opinion because they could just keep looking at whatever it is that you Right, wrote. and they could just keep going in on comments. Like, I remember... Um, when I was at Miami, it was literally like a week or two before graduation. There was an app, like an anonymous app called Yik Yak. That was after my time, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was like called Yik Yak, and this is when they had built a new student center, and the Office of Diversity Affairs was encased in glass. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, the new design, it was, it was glass. Um, and they were on Yik Yak talking about, oh, they put the monkeys on display, Damn. or da 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 or like, why do they even need um, an Office of Diversity Affairs? There's only like eight black students that even go here, <laughs> da da da. Like, just talking all this crazy, because you know that app was anonymous, you mm -hmm. didn't know who posted. And they were just talking like crazy stuff like that. And so at the time, I had like an internship with um, USA Today writing college news. So I wrote about it. Damn. And I was like, you know, this is what they're saying. I'm like, they said there's eight students, actually, like, Miami's population. It was still small, but it was, like, 15 or 20%, whatever. Right. And I didn't really expect it to go, any, go anywhere, but it got, like, 20,000 shares overnight, and they were, like, the kids were so pissed. Of course, the kids who were talking stuff. Right, were ones upset. You feel right, guilty. Right, they were pissed. like, oh, they gave, you gave Miami a bad name. And I was like, you gave Miami a bad name. You were talking, you know, calling the black kids monkeys right. on display and all that <laughs> stuff. But I didn't expect it to go viral like that. It got like to the university president. Like they released a statement. What was like, that? Was, like? It was crazy. But it was funny because no one ever emailed me. Like I didn't get an email from anyone in the administration, other than like a couple professors I had that were like, "Oh, like great job on your article. We right. loved it. You know, these kids need to be exposed for mm -hmm. the way they talk." Da da da. So and like from other students too, they were like, "Oh, you know, we appreciate you calling these kids out, these privileged kids out, blah blah blah." But like no one ever like emailed me anything. I didn't hear anything from administration. Um, but yeah, it was it was very interesting. That was the first time I'd ever had anything go viral, and the first time I ever like got like the hate comments back. Right. Um, and I've always been the type of person people's opinions don't bother you. Right, they don't bother me. So it's not like I was just sitting in the corner crying like, oh my god, they hate me. Like I didn't really care, but I just thought it was so interesting. I was like, oh damn, that really ruffles so feathers. Yeah, and it, it really it blew up because I remember I showed like my professor, and she was like, this is. She's like, are you ready for this? I was yeah. like, am I ready for what? She's That's... like, this is gonna. She's like, this is. They're not gonna like this. Right. I was like, what do you mean? And then like the next morning, I woke up, 
and it was like 20,000 shares overnight. And I'm like, oh crap. I was like, oh no. And then it was like on the news, like the local news, like Miami students are using this Yik Yak app. And I was, I was kind of glad no one contacted me to speak because I don't think I would have wanted to take it that far. I was like, it was just an article calling them out. You know, mm -hmm. like we see you talking shit about us. But yeah. But is it really talking shit about you if you doing it? <laughs> like, right. I, was, I feel like talking shit is lying on somebody. Right. And that's what I, that's what I was saying. I was like, but is it a lie though? Like, really? was it not on there? Were you not sure. calling them apes? Were you not saying there's only like eight black kids who go there? And then, but I also use the article as a way to kind of um, say what the office was about. Because, right. you know, the office, they allow students to go in there and sit, do their work or print mm -hmm. or be on the computer. But I'm like, the office that I ever see appears isn't just for the black students. True. It was for the international students. Right. It was for the Asian students, the Latina students. You know, if you just identified as a person of color, you were, or, you were in it. I, um, I remember hanging out. It, yeah. it was in Shriver once when I was there, just kicking it up there. I remember, first of all, when you're an athlete, it's like you kind of like sequestered away from everybody else. Mm -hmm. And for me, my experience at Miami was like, man, you know what? You can be an athlete and just be known for that, or you can go and reach out and talk to people. And then, like, right. I remember going up there once, like, damn, I didn't even know they had this up here. Yeah, <laughs> like, a lot of people did it because they they thought it was just like a black space. Right. But I'm like, it's not. They had like free printing in there, so you know, if you didn't have money on your card or anything, yeah, let you, you needed print to print. With your wood yeah. and all of them up there you too. could print for free. Um, it was a space to study, yep. so if you didn't want to study, like in the food court or. You know, in the dorm, if the library was packed, mm -hmm. you could go in there. And it was for anybody. Like, you didn't have to be a student of color to go in there. Um, and I wanted to use the article as a chance for that. Because they were trying to get more kids, you know, to Involved, come in there right. and speak. Um, and there were always events. And that was a True. place to find out where events were. But that's not what they got from it. They just got that I called them out for calling us monkeys. And um, instead of the part where I was like, well, you know, instead of talking crap about this office, it's actually for you to use True. as well. But they missed that whole, <laughs> whole, that whole part of the article. They just saw the part where I called them out. So that taught me a lot about the way people read online and mm. trolls. Trolls are real and people get really offended. But from that article, it was like, like the sophomores or juniors started putting out like videos about what it meant to be black at Miami. Um, and they started sharing their experience mm -hmm. because they saw like people coming for me like, oh, you know, we don't treat the black kids like that, blah, blah, blah. And so they started speaking up and like we're posting videos on YouTube. A lot of them, and they got like 10, 15,000 views wow. on theirs. So I was like, you know what, freak all the other people that got mad. I'm like, I'm glad that I guess I was kind of like the four person. The pioneers, you, you yeah, opened the door for the conversation. Up. Right, and so they, they did it. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, you know, forget these people who are mad. I was like, I like that, you know, these kids feel safe or like the conversation has started to talk about blackness in Miami. And now I see, even though I'm not there, I follow a couple of students on Twitter and I see they're still, you know, having those conversations, right. holding rallies and stuff on campus. I never saw that when I was there. We kind of just kept our heads down and like stayed in our own little community. Yeah, it but that's, I feel like in that situation, it's kind of expected. You had a predominantly white institution. It's not that many African-American students, let alone even uh, foreign exchange kids, maybe. Right. But I feel like my experience at Miami, granted being an athlete, was probably totally different for the average athlete. I did branch out, like I said, to talk to people and try to be involved. And like you said, even with being a pioneer with your aspect, for me, I felt like a lot of football players didn't really associate with a regular student body like that. Right. And that was kind of the conversation I was having before I came over with my girlfriend. Like, man, I'm finally 
talking to you because I had been watching you and seeing you on um, social media. I'm like, you are really involved in that, you know. But was it just that experience that you remember at Miami that just, you know, rings a bell? Or, you know, what else at Miami really pushed you into the forefront of journalism and everything like that? Um, I think being, like, the only maybe black person on staff and often the youngest, because mm. um, I've always wanted to be like involved in extracurriculars. I've always been in the club, elementary school, middle school, high school. Right. I was always a part of some club, whether it was like yearbook, newspaper, something. Um, and so freshman year, I was seeking out the stuff, right. seeking out like the the newspaper. And at Miami, the newspaper was a really big deal. <clears throat> it was like award-winning college paper mm -hmm. across country. So it wasn't something that was taken lightly at all. But I remember freshman year, I went to, um, I forget what it's called, but they had like a fair for the extracurricular, so you could see what the different clubs were and stuff. And I went straight to the newspaper booth, and the editor was there, and I was like, hi, you know, I'm so calendar, I'm a freshman, I would love to get involved. Right. And like, being a freshman, clearly, like, you have no experience at all. <laughs> but you I was think like, I take you serious. Right, but I was like, you know, whatever you need on staff, whether it's an article or you need someone to do whatever, I'm like, I'm down. Um, and he took my information, it was a guy at the time, his name was Sam, I forget his last name. He emailed me like, hey, you know, we need, someone who could just be like kind of on call so yeah. basically if they had like little pieces that weren't that important but still needed to be done they would kind of just assign them to you and I was like sure whatever I'm down and so that's how I got on the staff I got on my freshman year and I would just do kind of the random puff pieces is right. what we call it and no one really wanted to do or had time to do and I did them and I took every <laughs> single one so every time they emailed me I was like yes I'm I'll on it, it. And they kind of saw that. And then my sophomore year, I was offered a senior staff position. It's usually reserved for seniors, but they paid them. So at a certain point, if you've been with the paper long enough, it's like a job, like right. a campus job, you get paid. But I was offered that um, sophomore year. Um, and like I said, that's when I started doing the student government right. stuff and found out I didn't really <laughs> I like it. But, um, but I liked it. And I'd say that to say, it taught me a lot about being the only black person, mm. the only woman, the only black woman, mm. the youngest person in the room. Cause like, here she I got am. a lot of good you. <laughs> yeah, like I'm a, I'm a freshman, I'm black, and I'm a girl on this staff of older white Republican males, right? Mm. <laughs> um, but it taught me how to stick up for myself and mm. my stories. And it wasn't always necessarily sticking up for black issues. I feel like sometimes we think like white people have resistance against black issues all the time. It's not even that, sometimes it could just be something that I wanted to talk about that had nothing to do with race, but right. they would just kind of resist me, just either because they were a man or they're or not whatever. interested in it. Yeah, and I would just have to stick up for it. Um, and I feel like some people feel like they have to have a safety net, like you have to have a couple other black people on staff or other women on staff to feel like you have someone behind you, yeah. but you have to learn how to stick up for yourself when there's no one behind you, like when it's just you, you know, when mm -hmm. no one can have your back. Um, I mean, I guess that's metaphorical in a sense of being in a newsroom, but it's true, like learning how to speak up when, you know, no one's going to come in. Support you in what yeah, you have to say. like it's just you talking and mm -hmm. you have to convince them. Um, so it taught me how to be comfortable because I, I found out, like I said, I went to a, like a mixed high school. So I've, you know, I've been around white people and I've been around mm -hmm. black people, but a lot of the black population in Miami had only come from like inner city schools where they were the only black kids. And so being the only black kid. This is kind of the thing, that's what. It really freaked them out. Um, and really, you know, suppressed their voice. Really? And they, did, they didn't know how to navigate that. 
but I, I learned how to navigate that. I was like, I don't care. And so I think that's why I'm kind of very strong in my opinions mm -hmm. and I can look someone in the eye and disagree with you. And it, we're not going to be fighting. I'm just going to stay here. This not is how I feel. I don't really respect what you're saying right now. <laughs> right, right. And so it taught me how to do that. And that newsroom is kind of a reflection, <clears throat> excuse me, of a lot of newsrooms across the country. I would even go as far as say it's, <clears throat> it's, it's what our society is right now. And, and that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I've been harping on for the past couple of episodes and probably the beginning of the show. My idea of not so much attacking culture, but breaking it down. Because when right. you say this is... This is my experience, and this is someone else's experience. They're experiencing the same thing in the student body, and you were experiencing it in the student body, and you were also experiencing it at my job, like, I, you know, right. while I'm involved in this student. Like, that's a lot to take on. And like you said, uh, you were 2014, so maybe it was around it. It wasn't as politically, like, crazy as it mm -hmm. is now nope do you would you like to be on campus right now for this time or would is this... i Ooh. i think it's an interesting question because i think i've grown to be more confident in my mm -hmm. beliefs like I've, if i was like 18 or 19 yeah, there that now, would probably be very i don't think difficult. i'd be as much as a crusader because i kind of grew into that mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah, yeah. um but I will say, for example, like when Obama was up for his re-election, what was that, 2013? Mm. It was it was very interesting to me, and I started to notice how political Miami could yeah. be because um, Michelle Obama came to campus, and she was kind of like campaigning for Barack for his re-election. Mm. And she came, she was at um, Withrow. Okay. She had like an assembly at Withrow, and it was free, and like all, so many people came, so many people came. But the Republicans on campus, like, lined the streets with their Picking little Republican <laughs> And the president of Miami did not attend Damn. the assembly. And that was Hodge at that time? Yes. Yeah. And it was 2013. So Michelle Obama was already the first lady of the mm -hmm. United States. And I was like, so that tells me a lot that you did not come when the first lady visited your campus. That's you did it. not attend. That looks horrible. That and, looks horrible. And that's one of the things that I appreciated about Miami. Like you said, not really knowing. Like, oh man, they really political here. Like, yeah. we're really here with upper middle class white and the 1% that mm -hmm. people are talking about. And it opened my eyes up to a lot of different things. I remember once going to the dorm. It was me and my roommate, and it was the Barack Obama. Uh, not, it was, you know, the picture with the oh. blue and the red and blue, like black and white type of mixed thing. And it was like, nope. Instead oh, of like Obama, yeah, on it. his whole campaign flyer. For right, <laughs> and I was just sitting there talking to my room. He's like, "Man, I ain't even know how people felt that way." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. man." Like it, it comes down to the families that people come from, mm -hmm. and Miami is low key a place where there's a lot of old money. People go to school, they're legacy kids, and everything. Yep. So you you start to realize that, and people just. You just have no idea about yeah, it. I think would you like get away from the party side because everyone's gonna party mm. together. But I, I I noticed that like junior and senior year when people started to get internships and when people started, started to get for, jobs, preparing for life. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, like this is how you really feel. This is how you really are. Like aside from us having fun getting drunk really? together, like you actually think, you know, certain things. I would always get que questions about. How I paid for Miami. They're like, mm. oh, they, did you get the black scholarship? That I, I was like, actually, I had a 4.0 in high school. <laughs> so, like, yes, I actually did get a scholarship for being a minority, but I also Work got... for that shit. <laughs> right. I also got the grades. So, mm. you know, stuff like that. But, yeah. And I also noticed when Paul Ryan came to campus, yeah. president was there for that. They threw, like, a whole fiesta for him coming. Because, you know, he, was, he graduated from Miami. Right. But, yeah, that opened my eyes. I was also a um, 
what was it? Teacher's assistant. Mm-hmm. One of my communications classes. And it was actually more like a cultural communications class where they talked a lot about cultures and identity and stuff. And so, you know, I facilitated groups because I was the, the teacher's assistant. And it, we were talking about appropriation. It was like around Halloween. Um, and we were talking about what you maybe should not wear around campus, right? <laughs> and this one girl, she's like, I just don't understand why I can't wear, I, I think it was like a geisha wear. outfit or like an Indian outfit. And something, I was like, what religion are you? Are you religious? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I'm Catholic. And I was like, what if someone just walked around, you know, in a Pope outfit like the Pope. or with you a rosary? She's like, that's offensive. She's right. like, that's someone's that's religion. That's how they feel. Right. I was like, that's someone's <laughs> culture that you're mimicking. And it just did not connect with her. And that, I was like, oh, my God, they really don't get it. Right. They really cannot make these connections outside of themselves. Like, it was nuts. And so also when I started getting into, like, that kind of space, because I liked facilitating the group. So mm. I, w- I was like a teacher's assistant for a couple of classes. But that was the one that really stuck out to me. And I was like, oh, my God, they really can't. And, and that's, that's the bad part about it is, like, taking those social classes. Like, my, my last year in Miami, I'm like, all right, what am I taking? I took, like, sociology, like, 103 oh, yeah. all the way through or whatever just because I needed the credits. Right. And you really sit here and you talk to these people or white people. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't matter to me because I started to look at it from the point of view as, like, oh, shit, maybe y'all not racist black people or white people maybe y'all just don't fucking know right they don't know they don't get it they can't wrap their mind around right. it they don't understand that people have different experiences exactly. them than excuse me than them and it was interesting because i had work study um during school so i would i worked a lot and not necessarily because i needed because like i said i had scholarships but you know the, the way they base work study they give it to certain students. Right. Anyway, I had a work study, so I worked a lot. And I worked in one of the sorority dorms. They had, like, their their own dining hall okay. in the dorm. And I worked in that. And a lot of them would come in, and I would see them every day, and they would, like, become regulars because I think I worked in the evening after class, mm-hmm. right? And then one time, one girl said to me, she was like, have you ever thought about, like, attending Miami? Because, like, she realized, yeah, I, was, no, I was like, I do. She was like, <laughs> she was like, then how do you work? I was like, girl, I was like, I go to class during the day and I work here at night. Oh, my she parents take I, care of this, so I don't have to worry right. about it. She, she didn't think I was a student. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, this is a student job. I was like, I'm a student. I go to school here. She's like, that's crazy. You work and go to school. No, like, people can't can even grasp it. the concept she of that. She wrap her mind around the fact that there are some people who work and are in school mm-hmm. at the same time. I was like, and I still go out. Like, when I go get out <laughs> I still of have a life. Right. But she was just so mind blown that I was a student. But it was so funny because, like, she thought she was helping me or something. She's like, mm-hmm. well, you just enroll here. Like, you work here. There should be some program. And I was like, girl, I do go here. What are you Instead of just me? leading with the question, do you go to Miami? Right. But- Right. She thought she was being so resourceful. And I was like, I go here, girl. <laughs> I'm like, I just got out of class an hour ago. Real. Like, but yeah, so just stuff like that. They don't, they can't comprehend that people have different experiences than them. And I think that's, I can, I grasp that people have different experiences. Mm-hmm. I, like, I get it. I'm like, okay, some people are privileged. They don't have the experience I have. Some people are less fortunate even than myself. Um, and I think that's the problem. Some people just don't even want to wrap their mind around the fact that, we're all yeah. different. And that's that that leads me to my next question is identifying with that idea that people just really don't want to care. And they will troll you and you know, how do you handle that aspect of it? It depends on who it is. I might debate someone for, you know, what if it's on social media, I might comment back and forth at you a few times or if it's in person, we might have a little debate about it. But after a while I'm like, 
after a while, like they don't want to get it. Because mm -hmm. for example, for me, you know, if I'm debating with someone and something they say registers, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I can see your point. Yeah. But if if I'm talking to someone and they can never really get to that point, even it's if you, you even if I time. still disagree with you, yeah. I can see your point. If we don't ever get to that point in the debate. I'm like at this point you don't want to you don't want to find common. <laughs> You're not trying to hear what I'm saying anyway. Right. So what's the point because of Because I think there's a difference. You? you can hear what someone's saying and still not agree with it. Really? We do that every day. Right. I'm like <laughs> I, I people I disagree with, like, I can see where they're coming from, but I still don't rationalize it the way they do. But that's fine. But then there's some people, they just they don't want to get it. They mm. just want to argue. They just want to call people the names that they call them really? in the midst of the argument. But yeah, so that, that's kind of how I deal with it. Because I don't engage in conversation with anybody. Excuse me, I don't mind debating, talking. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point when I realize you just want to argue for the sake of arguing. Just or no you're just You're just trolling. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, this is no longer fun. Like, you're, And you're not coming. Then they stop coming like with facts. Or with you just critical analysis, then they like, just start slurring <laughs> whether they're calling someone you know poor, broke, and wasting taxpayer dollars. When they start throwing out stuff like it's that, it's like, oh. really it's really bad though because I didn't expect that for comedy. I didn't expect that for stand-up. I expected yeah. people to be, you know, upset. But I didn't expect you to fucking sit here and just argue with me. Like it is really weird, and for you, it's it's gotta be tough and that's why I wanted to ask that because your shit is just out there. Like, I can say something on stage and then get a walk away. Right. That article is always up there. People can always go back to right. it. <laughs> right. My thing is don't read the comments. Mm. I think when, like I said, when I wrote that article that went viral that was still in, when I was still in school it's like don't, just don't read the comments. Because that's where people do the debate. They'll start to, in the comment section. I don't think I've ever had anyone like tweet me their anger. Mm -hmm. No. Like, I know some people who are, like, bigger journalists for, like, Wesley Lowry. I'm not sure if you know who he is. He was one of the reporters who was first on the ground during Ferguson. Oh, and Mike Brown. And he he went to Ohio University. But I kind of had a relationship with him because we were both in NABJ, okay. the National Association of Black Journalists. And he was, like, the student president. So I had talked to him a few times, knew who he was. We followed each other on social media. But anyway, he was, like, one of the first people on the ground um, in Ferguson, like, reporting live from the Mike Brown situation and all of that. And he was writing for the Washington Post, I think, at the time. Mm -hmm. And people were, like, tweeting him all this hate stuff. like, And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, I don't know what I would do. But people <laughs> were actually, like, tweeting. And he would, like, post screenshots of emails he would get from people just calling him all types of niggers and stuff. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, you're taking time. I'm like, I can see leaving a comment. I do that sometimes. You know, I'll leave a comment on something, whether I agree with it or not. You know, I might just leave a comment. But like, I can't imagine, like, taking time to email someone to hurl slurs at them, yeah. tweeting them, stuff like that's crazy. I've never had that happen, but um, I know some journalists that have, and I feel like it probably would shake me at first. I'm like, damn, like you really took some time out to do some hate speech at mm -hmm. me, whatever. I think that's a little crazy, but for now, I, I just don't read the comments. And usually, people that share it, if it's my friends, they're right, usually yeah, agreeing with yeah. it or whatever. But but yeah, just. Just don't read the comments. If you're a blogger <laughs> or a journalist, and you, you, if you are sensitive to that stuff, just don't read it, and you'll never know. That's I mean, but some people can't go without knowing. <laughs> right. Because I can't go without knowing, too. Because like I said, if people want to comment great stuff, they'll send it in a way that makes sure you see it. So like right. I said, I'll get people who DM me or will email me comments. So I'm like, those are the people who I want to hear from, mm -hmm. who go out of their way to say something nice. And, and again, like like I said, just I don't, I don't know how I would handle it because I've never really been able to. When I did experience that type of shit, I was never able to respond. 
Yeah. It was always in a way. Like I was, I had this conversation a couple months ago with some friends. Like, you ain't never experienced racism before, bro. You don't know. I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, dog, I've been called a nigger on national TV <laughs> right. and could not do anything about it. You know right. what I'm saying? So it's, when you get that, that feel, that vibe, like, damn, like this is. This is how it really is. This is how this person sees you right. in, like, the most unbecoming circumstances ever. Just being on the field. They know you can't do nothing about right. it. It's, it's probably the same thing. It's like, how you doing? Yeah. It's probably the same thing. It's just getting an email. you just like, oh, my God. Like, right. this person threatened me. I don't right. know who the fuck this person is. I don't know. <laughs> right. And that's the thing you got to think, too. It's like, I don't know them. That's true. I'm, I'll probably never see them. We'll probably never They're just talking paths. shit. Right. They're just talking shit. I'm like, I, you'll probably never run into them again. And life goes on. It's like, keep doing really? you and you'll be okay. That's just kind of how I think of it. Like I said, I've never had any speech. So, I mean, I say that real common collected now, but I don't know when if that would change. Shit. But just that's just what I keep in mind for now. Because, I mean, I've had, like, sometimes I do go through the comments. If it's an article, I don't necessarily expect people to have an opposing an opinion, opinion about, but so, some people You'd do. You'd be surprised sometimes. And I'm just like, wow, like I think I wrote a piece, oh, I wrote a piece uh, one time uh, for XO Nicole about um, how women don't have to smile at men. And, it was just <laughs> a, and I was giving a story about how how I was like walking, minding my bed. I had like my headphones in, looking at my phone, and this guy was like, oh, um, it's not gonna be bad all day, mama, just smile, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at him, I'm like, I'm not even paying attention to you. I'm in my phone. I'm like, maybe I do have resting bitch face or something. I'm like, but I'm not paying attention to the outside world. And why would you feel like... Go out of your way to... Right, to comment like that. I'm like, but you don't even know what kind of day I had. Somebody could have just died, and I could have just had, like, a sad face on, and you're... You know what I mean? I'm laughing because I think that's a really (laughs) odd thing to do. I don't know if that makes me less of a man because I don't want a cat call, but I just feel like if it was me and I was walking around Boys Town and some men yelled at me, Hey, what's up, big fella? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I would probably not know how to react. Yeah, but do, <laughs> guys do it all the time. And I'm like, well, if you want to say hi, just say hello. <laughs> Don't say some shit like, oh, smile. Oh, it's going to be a better day. I'm like, why Why is that your, your cat call? But so I wrote an article about that. And it was like, it wasn't going off about calling men who cat call pigs or whatever. It's like, why would you lead with something like that? If you want to say hi, just say hi. It just don't make any sense to me. Right. But the comments of it, there were like 80 comments on it. So I was like, oh, what are they? And it wasn't men commenting. It was women. They're like, oh, why wouldn't you just smile back or say hi back? It's like women are just so, what are they saying? Women just want to be mean. Women just want to be perceived as mean. That's why men date white women. It just started into this whole conversation because I guess they Oh, my picture is with the the byline, so I guess they saw that I was black, and they're like, "Oh, that's why black women date white women." But like, that's and I'm like, what the? F- that's <laughs> How why, did we get here from that? Exactly, and that's why I wanted to like sit down with you because it seems like to me. You are very proud of being a black woman. You are mm-hmm. f- like that is a lot of shit that you write about, you know. And I want to know what is that like for you now in this time because it seems like. We, I have to sometimes stay out of social media. It's like black men, black women arguing one another, like just like, and then you got other outside people saying shit. Like, what is that like when that's kind of the focal point of some of the shit that you're putting out right now? Not to call it shit in a bad way, yeah, but yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. When you're putting your work out there, you know, I gotta <laughs> be professional with it and talk yeah. like this. But no, I'm just yeah, <laughs> I think it's um, it's an inter- interesting space to be in for me as a light skinned woman. 
I have to kind of acknowledge the privilege there. People are like more comfortable with me. I can say certain things and they're not gonna take it as me being combative. I've noticed, because I have like darker skinned women who will say some of the same stuff I do, but they're like, oh, it's just black girls being mad, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But then if I say the same thing, people kind of like, oh, hmm. You know, they'll, yeah. they'll take it more seriously. Um, and I've noticed that in the workplace too. Like people aren't as like threatened by me. Like if I have an attitude, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, the angry black woman. So I do notice the kind of light skin, dark skin privilege that kind of goes on there. I will say that's a real thing and I acknowledge it because I've had people say to me, because at first when I'm in any environment, I'm kind of quiet because right. I like to observe the people around me. Take, take in, in. Yeah, take in their energy and all of that stuff. Um, and then when I'm comfortable, I can kind of be oh, the man. real me. When I remember I was at work and then like after the first month, I kind of got comfortable and then something happened where I kind of went off. You know, I was going off about something, and someone's like, "I didn't expect you, you to be so." Right? I was like, "Why?" <laughs> They're like, "I didn't expect you." They're like, "I thought you were just gonna be quiet and blah blah blah." I was like, "Oh, because you know, I'm white. I'm supposed yeah. to just be, you know, quiet, be kind of person." And like, "Yeah, Sam, you really went off on them." So, like, I know that they think that I'm going to be like more mild, more reserved, mm -hmm. and not be the person who's going to go off and cut you yeah, out. Yeah, because whatever. you gotta say something. Though. Like, I I got some jokes that I wrote like about some people that I know. It's like, why you got to put that in the joke? Why you gotta make? Because <laughs> it's the truth. Like. You can't, because I went to Miami, because I played ball, they felt like I did have it easy. It's like, no, my nigga, like, I saw a dude get shot in the face when I was 11. Yeah. And then went to school, like, nothing happened because that's what I had to do. Like, this is the person I am. Or just even, like, for you, just like you said, somebody making um, an assumption about you. Yeah. Right off the bat. Yeah. And it's like, no, nah, my nigga, like, you're not going to disrespect me while I'm sitting right, right here. Right. <laughs> or, or disrespect black people while I'm yeah. sitting right here. Yeah. Or people think, yeah, people think they can, like, make jokes about yeah. black people or say, like, oh, but you're not, you're not like that. Like, um, this girl, she was talking about a darker skinned woman we work with. And she was like, you know, she's, you know, she's the, she's a pretty dark skinned woman. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why did you have to throw that why in there? Why couldn't you just be Why couldn't you just say she was pretty? pretty? And she was like, oh, I don't think she expected me to speak up for her because, you know, I'm not dark, so it doesn't right. oh, you don't think it applies oh, that to I should be offended by it. But I'm like, I'm offended for for her. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you have to speak like that? Why, why couldn't you just say, oh, she's pretty. She's a pretty girl. Why do you have to say she's a pretty dark-skinned woman? Because <laughs> that, then that implies you really don't think dark-skinned people are pretty, but she is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they just looked at me like, oh, my God, like, you're one of them. And, and that's like, the thing. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm black, too. Right. You can't just say stuff <laughs> like that in front of me and think it's going to fly. Right. Like, I'm like, just because I'm lighter, I'm still, even if you're not talking about light-skinned people, even if you're talking about darker-skinned people, I'm going to stand up for that. But to me, that. it's like the principle. Like, why right. did you even like? And I think we're in this time where it's like, oh, you the thought police and all this stuff like right. that. I remember being at an open mic, and this, uh, she was a white female comic, and she was just like, yeah, because I'm a feminist. And blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay. She's like, you but you don't care? Like, no. No, not really. She's like, well, why not? You don't care about women? I said, no. I did not say I don't care about women. I said, I don't care about the fact that you're a feminist. I don't have to be, I don't have to acknowledge or be upset or I don't have to be affected right. by you saying that. Right. But if you do overstep your bounds and you do say something, like, that's legitimately racist, whether it's about a black person, Mexican person. Right. Like, it's racist. Your feminism like, doesn't save you from that. <laughs> and then white feminism and black feminism is different. I don't even want to talk about that because it makes me so angry. <laughs> And I love like it's 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 been to the point where I'm really 
I don't have time to argue with people about right. it. They say like, oh, well, you don't like black women. I'm like, no, I just happen to be dating someone that I, I love. And, I, and this person is Latino, Latina, and I know her. Right, right. <laughs> it's not that I don't date black women, because I've always, actually, I've only dated Latino and black women. Like, yeah. that's it. And, and, and I love them. But I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about you having a problem with who you see me with. Yeah, it's, that's a, that's an interesting dynamic, and it's, it's kind of exhausting in the the digital space. Uh, because everybody can do like you said; is they can say whatever they want to say right. from behind the screen, put right. on the keyboard. Then when they see you in person, they fucking love you. Right, <laughs> and I'm just like you're t- entitled to your opinion, but it, it's just that it's your opinion. Right. I don't have to live by your opinion. Everybody thinks that they're. Because, like, your emotions and your feelings matter. They're valid. It's true. But they don't necessarily have to affect my life. Like, just <laughs> just because you're triggered by seeing um, a black man and a woman that's not of color together, that still shouldn't dictate whether you date them or not. Like, that's something that you deal with. That's your internal whatever that is. I think we've gotten to the point where we're, we're able to express ourselves and our emotions so much Yeah. that it's hard to say, like, what I think the idea is, what do you keep private anymore? What do you right. not want anybody to know about? And shit right. like that. And it's like, we're so open now. We're transparent, but not transparent. Yeah, I I definitely say that about me. Because like, people are like, oh, you're always on social media. You always share. But I'm like, I don't share everything about my life. Like mm-hmm. I don't really share what I want people to know. There's a lot of people that like didn't even know I lived in Ohio. Like, I thought you were in New York, because you're always in New York, and you're always here and there. I'm like, yeah, I'm here and there a lot, but I don't live there. But that just goes to show that I only show you so much of my life, right. where you don't even you know, know where I really live. Um, but, because I'm not an overshare, you know. I just share certain things. Like, I'm in a relationship. Most people don't even know that I'm in a relationship. Because really? I don't, that's a part of it's me. It's none of your business, though. That I don't choose to share. <laughs> Um, most people didn't even really know I moved to Chicago until I posted the status about it because mm-hmm. I don't really feel the need to share. Like, I have siblings. I have a brother. Most people are like, you have siblings? Yeah. I'm like, yep. <laughs> I don't necessarily post it. But when you say you moved, like, that was one of the things that kind of, in a way, I think we don't realize how much we really influence one another. And when you said you moved there, and I saw that you had been around, I'm like, what, what's going on here that you would come here and start working and putting out work and everything like that? And that's the thing with the show, this podcast, it's really opening my eyes to how so much culture and shit is happening in Chicago right now, yep. unbeknownst to just the regular everyday person. Like, I just sat down with like the head designer and CEO of a fashion company, and she's like, it started off small. It's, it's not really big now, but I'm like, just the fact that you're doing this shit is right. big. The fact that you are brave enough as a black woman to go out here and say all the shit that you're saying and what you're writing and everything like that, like, that's admirable. And, that, it, it, you know, Thank so you. I've been like a low-key a fan, okay? I'm I just big. wanted to put that out there. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Just like, Thank you. really impressed by that, and I hate that we never cross paths at Miami really because it would have been cool yeah. to know you yeah I think I might have been different in those days like I said it kind of was like a building thing because mm-hmm. I was the type of person I always had opinions you mm. know I've always had the opinions that I had but I never necessarily shared them I was more quiet about it I picked my battles right. and I chose not to fight a and lot there's nothing of them. wrong with it yeah but like now I'm more vocal I'm more confident in my beliefs and I've always been confident in my work that's one thing but just like the other thing, talking about social issues, speaking out, um, that's something I kind of grew into. But yeah, yeah, it's it's funny how you meet people 
outside of maybe the space that you share because I've had mm-hmm. that with like a lot of people from Miami they're like you know I know we went to school together but we didn't really know each right. other like but I like your personality yeah. you seem cool <laughs> so I've, you know I've met up with different people that way if I'm in their city or if they come to Chicago we've you know gone out got a drink or whatever to hang out but I think that's also good that people are open to that because sometimes I feel like especially in the Miami community because like you said we hung out a lot in our own kind of tight-knit group yeah. we didn't really branch out but even within that group there was there were cliques um, so we didn't necessarily branch out, but you know, post grad, it's like you can. You realize that stuff's kind of silly. After when you realize that you live in a whole wide world, it is right. so I mean, much space. It's kind of silly. It's like it's people that I knew, like quote unquote, didn't like me, quote unquote. But now we have like business relationships. Like I edit their resume or I help them build their brand because that's like, another thing I want to talk about. That stuff was petty. Like whatever. Yeah. Like we didn't want to join the same org. Okay, like who cares? Who cares? Like yeah. we're outside of college now. That. That stuff doesn't matter. Help me with my brand. Help me do this. And even not just me helping people, I've reached out to people for certain opportunities or certain things. So it's kind of it's like growing up. Because I feel like people forget college kids mm-hmm. or kids. Like True. you're in college, you're higher education, but you're still learning. Right. You still don't know any better. So now I just try to do better. I'm like, forget whatever we had in school, whether we talked to Let each other go. if we didn't. <laughs> We can talk to each other now, like unless you, you know, really did some stank stuff. Not really, you know, we don't like each other because something you did. But, you know, I'm like just the fact that we went to school together and never really spoke. Who cares? We can speak now. It's fine. That's true. Yeah. Influences. What, what are you listening to right now? What What gets you going when you're writing? Do you just. Um. It kind of just depends. Um, musically, I like everything. Sometimes. If I just want like background noise as I'm working, mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of gospel. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why. It's like I started doing it in college actually, like listening like Franklin Pandora. Yeah. I don't know why. It just is great background music for me. It, it gets um, you going. I, I got a couple of. I had a couple of Ty Trivets on my yeah. uh, <laughs> workout playlist and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. So I like gospel music, but I also like you know trap music. That's more if I'm cleaning though. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm like, the you know, Sunday cleaning. morning move. <laughs> yeah, and like trying to straighten up the house, you know, I'll uh, put that on to clean. But I, I love Cardi B. Um, I really like her. Just because she's carefree, she's fine. She's herself. Yeah, she doesn't care. I'm like, some of some of the stuff she says, I'm like, oh my God, Cardi, <laughs> what the fuck? But I like her. I like her as a person. I feel like she's really, she's herself. She doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And I had followed her like on Instagram way Wait, before yeah. she, because she was kind of like, she was one of those people who posted funny videos. So I followed her, and then to see her blow up, I was like, oh, that's real cool. Like, damn, she's great. But um, I also like Janae, Janae Echo. Who else do I like? I've really kind of been into, like, the EDM scene. EDM, I like, did not expect you to say that. Yeah, uh, so I like EDM. Pump joint. Okay. Yeah, I like EDM music. And then, like, a lot of people from the UK, it's like they do, like, EDM and kind of R&B. So I like, um, like Snake Hips. Mm. I like him. Of course, I like Calvin Harris. And then, I like, there's a couple I don't remember their names because they kind of just, like, come across my SoundCloud, mm-hmm. but I've been really into that. I don't, I worked at a boutique and we got to pick See, the, music, the music. So, and that's the kind of stuff they, you know, would like, but I really, I got into it. I liked it. And I like this like kind of new wave of R&B that's coming up, you know, like your LMIs, people like that, mm-hmm. people who were all, like SoundCloud artists and now right. they've got like these record deals and they're coming up. Um, but I like all types of music, movies, kind of into more comedy. I was never really someone who like watched comedic movies. I was, yeah, I was more like romantic comedies, stuff like that. Uh, but I've tried to been getting back more into like going to the theater and watching movies. Being in Chicago, there's a lot of like uh, plays that go right. here. You have so many theaters here. 
So I've been going to a lot of shows at uh, I believe Steppenwolf Theater, okay. I think is what it's called, because they do a lot of like people of color, like queer playwrights. Mm. They give them that space to put on their shows. So I've been going to a lot of those. I've been into the music scene here. Like I would go to like Tonic Room, Subterranean, like places like that to see music. I was at House of Blues last night okay. um, to see a show, so that was really cool. Who did you see there? I don't know who was headlining. Right. I don't. I don't remember their name. But my friend um, Jovan, she was like part of the set. Uh, she was one of the acts, okay. so I would see her perform. So that was really cool. It was the first time I've been to the House of Blues in Chicago. You really like just it? like live music. I loved it. It was really cool. It's um, it's a really neat space. I liked it, and I, I like the Chicago music scene because there's so many artists, but they're really good, and they're not necessarily though focused on like blowing up. Mm. They just do it, you know, because they like to do it. Yeah, Chicago has always been a place where it's it's like I said, it's so much shit going on at one time. Yeah, it's, it's like information there's overload always an for event. me. <laughs> Always an event, always some exhibition, always some uh, showcase. But I like it. Like I like events. I like meeting people, and so that's how that's why I made friends here. Cause I kind of just moved here on a whim. I like I I had like two people that I knew here, and they had a room open in their house for rent. And I was wanting to move like out of Cincinnati because I was getting bored there. Um, and they're like, well, you know, you can rent this space from us. You know, whatever. So I did, and. But I was like, how do I don't really know anybody here? Right. So I just got like, you know, Facebook tells you like events that are near you. And so I would just see some and I'm like, oh, this looks cool. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. And so I would go and then a lot of the artists and people would be hanging around afterwards and I would just talk to people. And that's just how I started to meet people. I'm like, oh, well, you should come out to this event, this show, whatever. And so that's how I even got to like make friends and that's what kind of made me stay. Mm. It's because I was meeting people and I like started to build a foundation. It was really just from going out going to events because I'm not a big like club person I don't think I've actually been to a Chicago like club I've just I just go to events I've like, been out of the club scene for a long time so I can't even... yeah, <laughs> I like, retired and I really don't have an interest in going like yeah. I like the more the bar the lounge the well, you can talk and communicate with people actually and get a right. conversation going and right. network right so yeah that's what I've been doing so I like that it's kind of um, an interesting space to be in I don't think I've ever really been in a city where like the indie scene is so big and so full of like actually good good talent whether it's an artist whether it's you know a musician mm-hmm. um people like have their own businesses here like food businesses and like yep. there's a lot of designers and beauty industry people here so i like it i like it so that's what i do in my spare time mm-hmm. i just go out like i'm going to an event at the museum of contemporary art okay Tonight, and it's actually, it's not an art exhibit though, it's like talking about um, gun violence in the city, mm. which I've been kind of trying to flesh that out, like the, what the violence landscape really looks like in Chicago. So I'm gonna go to that, cause I'm interested to see what they have to say and like see who the leaders are in that kind of movement that aren't the police. Right. This is just like a community. <laughs> That's true. It's like community forum or like the people who have different initiatives that aren't associated with law enforcement, so. Go and see who I can connect with there. I think it, that would probably be a good experience because you you really don't. It's not as bad as people say. It. Yeah, and the news is just, <laughs> I come to find like their headlines are just for, you know, to get people to click on them. Because I, I read one headline and it kind of took me back and it's like, the weather's breaking, here they go again, mm. nine shot over the weekend. I was like, really? That was y'all's headline that's that you chose? That's how they chose? feel. That's how it was they like feel. the Tribune or something. Yeah, like that's how they feel. <laughs> and, and, I, was like, I was like, here they go again, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then people were listening to me talking to like, like you said, 
they didn't know you had these opinions and he felt like, like bro like yeah I've always felt this way like, yeah. I've always said this stuff you just never asked me about it right. or one you just didn't know so yeah. it, it, it it's yeah Chicago gets a bad rap but it's not as bad as people right? say right I was like you would, the way they talk about it you would think there was just like a section where they're just constantly shooting like this crossfire I mean everywhere. shit happens but I'm that's, like, that's still, what I'm city though like, but, hey, true. true that's what any true. city I mean but like because to be true, even before I, I came here, I, I thought it was just like an area where like there are just like gangs on the block, and you just didn't want to drive down it because you could be caught <laughs> crossfire. I'm like, but that's that's not the case. It's just these little like internal beefs that people have. I'm like, that's with any that's with any major city mm-hmm. that you have. There's crime, there's violence. It's and of course they're usually going to be in the you know the lower income communities. Right. But which, 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 like anyway. you say, it happens everywhere. And that's, yeah. uh, it reminds me of a joke that I got, like, damn, I didn't realize the South Side was a bad place until I left the South Side. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, damn, right. it's terrible. I didn't know it was bad, but. Right, because I'm like, you feel okay? Feel safe? <laughs> like, I lived on the, um, the South Side when I first came here, and I was like, this isn't scary. You know, I walk around by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. When I was first, like, exploring the neighborhood and stuff, I was like, like where do people get this idea that you're just going to get shot? I'm like, that could, that could happen yeah, anywhere. anywhere. Just True. like when the guy had the gun at the Daily Center or whatever. That was ridiculous. And that was, yeah. like, not too far from my drive. And I was just like, damn. Yeah. But I'm like, even that's this, that's where they tell the tourists to stay. I was like, but, like, that's scarier to be. <laughs> like, right. That's scarier to happen to I'm like, so, I mean, if people really just want to shoot random people, they, they will. Probably will. I'm like, you can't just be scared of everywhere. True. But it's, yeah. It's crazy. I'm like, I'm not scared of Chicago. I haven't had anything. I mean, of course, I'm mindful. Real. And there's certain yeah, areas you can't just to be, be dumb. Like. <laughs> right, like there's certain areas. No, I'm not really going to walk around at night. But I was yeah, like, I'm smart. not going to take a long walk around these streets. But because <laughs> I know you really shouldn't. And I mean, as a woman, you know, you don't really want to do that. But, you know, I'm not scared. Like Chicago, it's cool. I like it. There's more good than bad that I've seen. Oh man, it's so, so it's so reassuring to hear you say that yeah. from the outside looking in because you you haven't been here in like a long time. <laughs> that's what that's why. But I mean, I was here during the summer. Uh, I've, okay. Like according to the state, like you know, the summer is hot. People are out. But I was like, I didn't really have no craziness. Mm-hmm. The worst thing I've had happen was my package got stolen. I feel like that can happen anywhere too. Right, like that that can happen anywhere. But I was like, I mean, that's the only crime that I've like seen or experienced really. Like I, it's not bad. I'm like you just have you just have to be mindful of what you know your environment. But I practice that anywhere. True. You know wherever I travel. Because mm-hmm. um, people can can get you. Even when I go to different cities, if I go to California, if I go you know Florida, mm-hmm. you still got to be careful. You no, know, Florida, it's a whole bunch of crazy motherfuckers in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> and California too. Like there's been a bunch of instances of like people getting robbed I know if like people I've been with got their like purse and attached or mm-hmm. whatever I'm like it's, it's anywhere you go so I don't know why they make Chicago out to be me neither but it is what it is even though they do it I'm still proud of it so yeah I'm like it's still a great place there's a lot of great stuff that happens here um which I was pleasantly surprised by especially like the RC what I don't know I just didn't see Chicago as like a place for the arts um what I know that's so weird but I just I didn't well, know. Yeah, the Art Institute here, yeah. the Art Institute of Chicago, the school we got. Yeah. The, I, the, 
I remember I didn't even know we had a museum of uh, really? uh, contemporary art until I was like 14. And then I went and I was like, oh shit, this is dope. So this is yeah. the, the art you look at for now. Right. This is the stuff that's out now. You know, all the different, um, what are they called? If not just events, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the festivals? Well, the festivals too. You got Lala, yeah, uh, Pitchfork, Spring Awakening. Damn, and I think I've been to damn near all of those, which is I haven't been to any of the festivals yet, but... Lala, you should definitely do Lala. Um, I would recommend maybe, like, a convention or something like that. I think, yeah. Well, they have the Black Women's Expo here every year, too, but I feel like they have that. Yeah, different. they have that. It was in March. Okay. I don't think I was in town during that. But, yeah, I got an email about that. But, yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff that happens in Chicago. The Taste, Blues Fest. Yeah, I've been to the Taste before. Yeah, but it's a lot of different shit, though. But, again, I've been in it, so I know. But right. So, yeah, I mean, but moving forward, um, I usually ask guests to do two or three things for the last, like, five, ten minutes of the show. Okay. The first one would be if you knew someone starting out doing what you're doing, journalism, mm-hmm. or anything creative, what are three things you three things you probably tell them? Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know who to contact or you know who to get in touch with, don't be afraid to just reach out to them. I think a lot of people feel like they have to do certain things or they just have to be seen. Like, people who always post on social media or, like, they'll always tag a person or a brand that they want to get in contact right. with or, you know, for, like, sponsorship, promotion, whatever. Just email them. Just email them. Kind of put your elevator pitch in the email. Say, hey... Um, I'm Samantha, this is what I do, this is what I want to do, I'm wondering if you could be involved in this way, please let me know. I'm like, I've done that so much and I've gotten great responses versus just, you know, looking thirsty on social media and just tagging <laughs> them every two seconds and post. You know, I'm like, just email them. Just email the person. So yeah, don't be afraid to send that email. You got to come correct though. Make sure, you know, you lay out your, your pitch, your business pitch, your elevator pitch, whatever. Um, but don't be afraid to just reach out. Don't take no personally. I heard no so like so much in the beginning, and like even brands that I work for now or have worked with in the early stages, they would tell me no. But Not I feel like some people like hear no and then they won't go back to it. Like they won't reapply. They won't try again. But sometimes like you might you might suck in the beginning you might <laughs> have to real. get better um it might not be good so yeah anybody that ever started something was bad at it when they first right. started right i'm like and so you know once you grow and you realize like okay i've done a little bit more let me try again but i had sent so many pitches to essence like in the beginning when i first started out I just about different stuff and i realized now like what i did wrong or right. why they may have said no but i just kept trying and it's funny, like, I had stopped pitching to them for a little while, and one of their editors actually reached out to me. Wow. Yeah, so, because they, you know, they saw what I was doing for other people, because, like, I started freelance, so I was doing stuff for other people. I just kept working, doing stuff for other people, and I guess they saw my growth. I was like, oh, hey, are you still, no, you know, no, interested? Right. And sometimes it just has to be that way. You have to get better. Right. So don't take no personally. That doesn't mean, like, don't try again. Um, don't apply again. Just get better, and then resubmit. And I guess the third thing is stay inspired. So if that means even have to switching around what you do, because like I said, I'd be at certain publications or doing certain things right. and I get bored. And I think when you get bored, it's hard to create then because you, you don't want to do like, it. Yeah, if you, like you said, if you're not into it, you're not going to want to write and about it. And it's not going to be good. It's going to be trash. 
because for me, at least in my industry, it's better for you to move on than to get fired and blacklisted. That's true. Because, you know, people are like, oh, you know, she was great at first, but then she just started. They'll, they'll say you're getting you comfortable, yeah. right? And they'll say, oh, my, oh, it was trash. We didn't really like it. Versus if, if you know you're born, you can realize, like, oh, I'm. It's I'm, time for me to go. And then you leave. You're leaving, like, on a good foot mm-hmm. versus starting to produce bad work for people. And then or just showing that you're not happy with Right. Because they, they're not going to see it as, like, oh, I'm bored. I need something new. They're going to be like, oh, she just stopped trying. Mm-hmm. You know, or we hired her. We got her here. And then it just kind of fell off. You don't want that. So if you know it's time to go, go. A lot of people are scared to leave, I've realized. Whether it's a job or well, something they don't like. It's it's one of those things where you don't know what else is out there. Right. And then you starting over again. Right. So people are really scared of that. I feel like with me, like even with the first show that I hit you up about, I wasn't afraid to just start over. Yeah. It was more so like... Maybe it is the same thing, but it's like, damn, you put in all this work. Yeah. You invested all this time. And yeah. then you're like, oh, shit, I got to start over. Now I got to do the work over put again. Put in more time. But it's like, you know what? If you're going to be a famous comic one day, you would have to do a whole other special, a new hour every fucking time you want right. to do so. What's the difference in that? Right. You'd have to start over again. And it's like, I'd rather, I don't know, I'm in a, I'm in a space now where I'm con- conscientious of what I waste. Mm-hmm. I don't like wasting my time. So I feel like if you're doing something you're ha- you hate, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Like, I'd rather spend my time learning something I'm interested in learning about. I don't see that as a waste. Mm. Um, but I see, um, you know, I was at a job where I worked full time, and I was like, this is wasting my time. Being here eight hours a day, you know, I was just, as soon as I got there, I was ready to leave because I was yeah. just anxious to do something else. And so I went down to part time because, you know, I could still use that money. It's, it's great money. Right. But I was like, I can't afford mentally. I can't mentally afford to be here 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Like, I have other things I want to pursue, I want to do, and it's, it's wasting my time. So then I went down to, to bar time, and it's been great because it's like, okay, I can still make my money, have my little financial cushion there, right. but I have more time to do stuff like this. Like, if I was still working, I would be at work from 9 to 6 yeah. every, you know, 5, every 6 day. days a week. Versus now, I'm only there three days a week, so I have more free time to do interviews, to um, work with brands and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I feel like I would say don't waste your time. If you're if you're getting in a space where you're not inspired, where you don't like what you're doing, like I said, if you're at a job and as soon as you get there, you can't wait you to leave, right. or if you're doing something and you can't wait for it to be over, that's wasting your time and you need to move on to something else because you don't want to spend time being in a state of like hate or feeling depressed like that's that's wasteful so it's it's okay to move on even if you have to start over because at least you're refreshed at least you're getting you know inspired you're building that fire again and even if you discover like like, oh you know i don't really like this either it's like okay find something right (laughs) but have a plan though i don't want people to listen to this and be like i'm just gonna quit my job no No, let's think about it (laughs) have a mindset of at least what you want to do and kind of put it into motion. I, yeah, I don't, I'm not a firm believer in just like quitting to quit. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if I could find like another job that was even more flexible, then yeah, I would quit this one, but I'm not in that space yet. So that's why I kind of found the balance. Like, okay, I know I don't want to be full time, but I can't really just full out quit. So part time is like a good right. solution. It's not where I exactly want to be, but it's better. It helps. Uh, so even baby steps. Baby, baby steps baby are steps. cool too. Yeah. Um, and because of, well, actually, what I usually do also is ask people to rate themselves on the Kanye confidence level. So <laughs> myself, I am a Kanye stan, but not in like the creepy way in the song, but I really like yeah. Kanye. But, so what do you do is just 
rate your confidence and what you're doing and what you're working on right now from college dropout to life with Pablo? Oh. <laughs> I would say I'm at maybe Jesus. Jesus? Yeah. I, I feel like, like Life of Pablo was a little pretentious. Like, I liked it, <laughs> but I was like, I could really tell they're feeling themselves. He was feeling himself. But I would say I'm at, like, Jesus status. Like, I know I have good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? But I'm not like, oh, it's better than everybody. Or, like, I'm a, I'm a god, mm-hmm. you know. But I know I have good stuff. <laughs> um, so I would say I'm there. I'm at, I'm at that. All right, that's kind. the first time I've heard that one. Yeah. Um, and the last thing, I stole this from Arian Foster on his podcast. He asked Jim Carrey to mm-hmm. come on the show each episode. Oh. Would you please request that Mr. Kanye West come on to the Issue World podcast oh that I get to gosh. interview him? Yes. Kanye, you need to come and explain yourself. I <laughs> Chicago about what's going on with you. He's just, he's so, it's so funny because it's like some stuff that he was like tweeting, mm-hmm. I, I agree with. I, yeah. I liked it. But then when he started getting political, I was like, no. But some of the other stuff, I was, I liked it. I felt it. Uh, he was talking about creative, being creative and like free thinking and all that. I got it. When he threw like the politics in there, he lost me. <laughs> but the other stuff, he just had some really valid points. So yeah, just definitely come on and explain yourself a little more. Maybe minus the politics. I think everyone's so mad at him because, you know, he's talking about Trump and mm-hmm. Candace Owen or whatever. Yeah, which I definitely don't agree with that. But the other things he had to say. Um, when he's talking about like his deal at Nike and all of that stuff, I think that would be very interesting for him to explore. So I think if someone gave him a platform to talk about that right. and not just try to exploit like his political yeah. whatever. I think the idea is this: if you look at celebrities as somebody that you say, okay, this is how my life should be. This is how like you tripping. Like yeah. what Charles Barkley said, I always took that in. Even if I would have made it playing professional ball, I'm not trying to be somebody's role model. I don't want to be your – that's your parents' job. Or, right. you know, if you need somebody to look to, I would probably be somebody. But, okay, well, I would like to achieve that type of success, yeah. I would say, as opposed to saying, oh, well, I'm going to take this person's political views yeah. to heart. And I, I totally everyone should that. be a role model, though. Because mm-hmm. I saw he was getting a lot of stuff like, oh, like the platform you have. But I'm like – your platform is your platform to do with what you want. It like, is really don't... weird. Y'all already called the man crazy, so why would you look right. <laughs> Yeah. People just, like, miss the person, on. I guess, that they could relate to, yeah. which was probably, like, college dropout, graduation, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I think that people forget that celebrities are people. Mm-hmm. And just because they have millions of followers and they have, like, such a big platform, their life is still their life to live. Yeah. You know, and if he really does believe, if he really is a Trump supporter... It's like, okay, realize, like, it's just like the internet thing. People can make a comment on it. They can write all the think pieces they want. They can be all in your comments. They can tweet all they want. But it's still his life to live. And I think sometimes even people on social media can't make that connect. Like, okay, just because someone is a, a public figure, quote, unquote, it's just they're famous. It's just a new reactionary. Like people are just reacting. To yeah, them. yeah. I'm like they're still they're still a human being, just like you. You know, even if you got ninety million followers, or you know, you had all this worldwide recognition, mm-hmm. it just means a lot of people. More people know your name. More people know who you are. But you you still entitled to. You know your thoughts you? and stuff. I mean, realize there might be drawback. Realize people might not support you anymore because of that. Real. But like, like the, I think the thing is, realize that you can say whatever you want to say. You can feel however you want to feel. But mm-hmm. also realize that people have that same responsibility on their end. They can do whatever they want to do. Right. They can react the way that they want to. to right. What you and said, if they so. want to not support you anymore, if they don't want to buy your product anymore, 
I mean, you might feel that in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. But if that doesn't matter to you, then it doesn't matter to you, which I feel like Kanye don't care at this right. point. He's got enough money saved up from when we did support him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, okay, whatever. You don't want to buy this next album. Well, I'm still going to have millions of dollars. So I think still people paid. need to yeah, realize that too. So I'm not like mad at him. I don't hate him. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to mute, mute Kanye. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I feel like he is talking crazy, but that's. They did call him crazy already. So. They did. I didn't think he was crazy when they were calling him crazy. I was like, <laughs> he's talking a little out there, but whatever. <laughs> well, thank you again for your time, ma'am. I really Proud. appreciate it. And thank you for doing this. If y'all hear all this noise and stuff, we are in the streets right oh, yeah, now we're, we're outside, on the west on, side. On the patio, security <laughs> gates, and hello, brother. Surprised someone didn't ask for a dollar yet. Or, or I'm surprised no one offered us a loose square. So Yeah, um, I, I haven't had that. No one's offered me anything besides right. a muffin. Someone was like, he had a bag of muffins. Oh, was like, they're still hey. random. But. Yeah, he was like, yeah, a muffin's for a dollar. I was like, I'll, just, I'll go to the store and get mine. I don't, I don't know what you're doing with these muffins. <laughs> but okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. So it's selling muffins out the backpack. All right. <laughs> Thank you again. <laughs> Podcast, the Lakeshore Drive of Podcast. Make sure you tune in next week. We have a special guest. I say that every week, but yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode, man. I, I felt like we had a great fucking conversation. It was pretty dope, and I really um, enjoyed sitting down with you, Samantha. Hopefully, when you like a big time journalist and all over the globe doing big things, then you'll have time for little old JB and his podcast. <laughs> But who knows? Um, also, if you guys still want to check out Chelsea Carter's showcase or her showing of her new collection, Hughes, at Dojo Studios, you can check it out at uh, May 26, 2951, West Grand Avenue, Chicago, Illinois, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. I'm really, um, really excited to try and get out there this weekend and uh, hopefully you guys will be following me on uh, social media. You can find me on Instagram at it's Jordan Bruh, J-O-R-D-A-I-N-B-R-U-H underscore it's I-T-S. The huge. And make sure you follow the show. It's your world pod. I-T-S-U-R world pod underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you subscribe and review. Leave a cool comment. If you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, let me know. Tell a friend. Tell a friend, too. Tell a friend. And also, ladies, don't forget, we do still have a sponsor. ShopSMZ.com, where you can pick up some new stuff. Spring is here, ladies. Spring is here. You want to get flat for the summer. Get flat for the summer. If you use code JAB, you get 15% off any order. If you use the code JAB2, you get $20 off orders over 100 bucks. Let me know what you're thinking, people. Come and check it out. But until next week, people, thank you for checking out the show. Thank you for coming back. Thank you if you've been here from the beginning. Thank you if you just joined us this week. Come back next week. Come on. 
Come on. Come on. That. I'm out.